0: Listener questions live. It's Friday, the day before the big wild card game Bengals versus Raiders. A lot of people are nervous, a lot of people are excited. Biggest game in a really long time in the jungle at Paul Brown Stadium. And we've had you covered most of this week between the post game show on Sunday and then four straight episodes back to back to back to back. Back, did I count that right? Uh, <laughs> four straight episodes of a lot of different stuff, and uh, really a, a lot of fun between happening headlines, having Joe Goodberry on on Wednesday night, John. And then, uh, I got to chat with Dennis Ackerman of the Believe in Podcast Network. And then, you and I are hitting this up today. How are you? How are you feeling?
1: Doing good, man. Back to back to back to back, more than Jordan in that sense. Um, <laughs> for, for, for those who uh, who like kind of heard about this earlier in the week, we were supposed to have. Some other guests on, we're supposed to have the crew of Orange is the New Black, Ace and Zim, and even Matt Minnick. Unfortunately, some some real-world stuff got in the way for all those guys. I believe two of them are traveling today, and, and Matt has, has got some some duties as well. And j- just, just to address uh, something, be- because we were supposed to have Ace and Zim on, just a shout-out from, from our program to the last two weeks of Ace Boogie's life. For those who don't know, before the Chiefs game on, I believe, Sunday morning, there was a picture of Joe Burrow who had the Trace Amigos shirt on. And I'm like, hey, that looks kind of familiar. And, and sure enough, it was it was our own Aces merchandise. And the whole story with that, if you don't know, is that he sent uh, Joe and a bunch of other players, I believe the receivers as well, those shirts, hoping that that he or them would wear it at some point. And sure enough, you had Joe Burrow on there and, and it went viral. And it was quite the, the afternoon, quite the last week and a half for NewstripeCity.com. And it was so important for just myself and other people who know who knew Ace to spread the word that it is New Stripe City. Like, that's the only place where you can get that shirt. And hopefully, you know, that, that week has kind of calmed down for him in terms of chaos. But a fantastic week for our buddy Ace, our partner Ace. And just a shout-out from our program to his and from our viewers to say congrats, Ace, for the fantastic week. And it really is, Anthony, I guess, like, the symbolism of what this Bengals season is. Like, not only are the Bengals relevant... But but they're but they're cool in that in that sense. And you were talking about how you know you being on the west coast, you were on this island for all your life, and how you know there wasn't a lot of uh, Bengals coverage, and Bengals fans in, in your area just outside of Cincinnati. It really mm-hmm. has taken on a life of its own for how the culture of the Bengals team and their players are spreading, and we really saw that personified with Ace this past week.
0: It's it's been very cool to see, uh, you know the. The merch that they've created obviously go and and be worn by players and um you know they've they were hanging out with players and this channel we've been really blessed across all of the shows on this channel having access to a lot of great interviews I was just going back and um uh, there's an article going up on Cincy Jungle I believe today that I that I wrote just kind of recapping all the charities that the Bengals do and I was like oh you know we interviewed some of these guys let's put some of these videos up there for and I'm going there's Sam Hubbard there's Devin and Leah Still there's Ken Anderson. There's Ken Riley to say, and, and you know it's just kind of, I guess selfishly speaking, and I don't want to, I don't want this to come off as you know pat ourselves on the back or anything like that. That's not what this is about. I'm just sometimes you sit back and you look at what happened with Ace and his his merch that he came up with, the Burrow Baby's hat you're rocking from Zim. A lot of people have that stuff. Joe Goodberry's Bengals on the brain stuff. The Locked On Bengals uh, podcast has a has a shirt I think at River City Inquiry as well in Cincinnati. Um, so all that kind of stuff, um, that is fan driven and our show, all of our shows, I mean, we try and keep it professional. We try and get the cool interviews. We try and get all this kind of stuff. And and we've been fortunate to have some of that stuff, but I, I, we put it on Instagram yesterday. This is a fan po- you know, it's a podcast run by fans. We try and be an objective. We try and be, you know, a professional, like I said, but it's, it's a fan podcast for fans. And that's, hopefully the, the message that always sticks. And I I think, you know, I don't want to speak for Ace and Zim and Matt, but uh, you know, I'd like to think that they would echo those sentiments about their respective shows as well. You know um, that, that they're fans and they try and make it for the fans. And I I think we all try and do that. And hopefully um, that resonates with, with folks. So um, awesome, awesome week and awesome couple of weeks for them. Awesome year across the board for Bengals fans, our shows, all kinds of stuff. Just, sitting back and still kind of going, wow, you know, all this stuff has been pretty cool. So at any rate, we are here to take your questions and we're here to take them in a number of different ways. And we can do that on a number of live chats, whether it's our YouTube channel, the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. A number of twitter outlets you can leave comments there whether it's john's mine the cincy jungle one the Bengals obi one any of those we'll, we'll kind of be keeping an eye there there's a comment thread on CincyJungle.com on a post so we'll go there um and of course you can call and text 949-542-6241 we we welcome that you can email the ob insider at gmail.com we're kind of keeping an eye on a lot of different things we're going to get to as many as possible the super chats in youtube do take precedence. We're going to get to every one of those. So if you really want your questions answered, we'll be uh, we'll be looking at that. So um, I know we're excited, probably a little bit of nerves among the fan base as well, just based based on the Bengals just have heard us before, but that's okay. We're in a new, we're in a new uh, new era here. And of course, Scott Knight asked one of the big questions of the week here is T. Higgins playing. Um, I think you did the injury report as of late yesterday, John. I'm going to pull up the Cincy Jungle injury report. Um, Some good news on the T. Higgins front.
1: This was funny because what happened was on Wednesday, T. Higgins was listed as limited uh, with a foot injury. And we talked about it on the Wednesday show, how that could mean one of two things. It could mean it's either a minor injury that he suffered in the middle of it, or it could have been something that he had going in, to the practice and they were just monitoring how much he could do zach taylor told media members before thursday's practice that what happened with tegan's is that he took a couple plays off to meet with a trainer regarding his foot and then immediately came out to finish the rest of practice and then i believe practice for if not the entire uh thursday session but at least most of it because I, I think he was listed as limited again thursday but no no big deal with with t higgins there might be something very very minor with his foot but not anything enough to keep him out of the game or also make him any less effective than what he's been in the past um few weeks so that was to me it was almost like a little little bit of a troll job by whoever does the the injury (laughs) freaking everybody out with oh no t higgins is limited but he's fine
0: yeah and you know i mean i don't i don't know the details the inner workings of it but uh You know, I think I think we can kind of say this, like you said, a a consultation, whatever, just making sure everything's good, maybe a tune up there. And maybe there's something that occurs in the offseason. We'll see. But um, he's playing and that's that's across the board. Now, here is the injury list here. Kind of a lot of names on here, John. Uh, But the good news is a lot of full practices, a lot of limited practices of Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 names on the list. 10 were either full or limited practices as of Thursday, and that's usually a good sign.
1: Yeah, I think when you see that, when teams list a lot of like injuries in general, even though they've been practicing with them, this is just something to monitor during the game. Like, Akeem Adenaji exited the week 18 game against the Browns because of that knee injury, and that's something that they're ankle injury excuse me and that's something that he's been dealing with for a few weeks it's just something that if these things come up during the game this is just something that we can reference uh from from the from the week prior so but like you said only two guys questionable jalen davis with an ankle and stanley morgan jr with a hamstring josh tupo is listed as doubtful but he might as well be declared out after not practicing and already being listed week to week with that knee injury and, and anthony that could mean our buddy mike daniels makes his playoff debut for the cincinnati Bengals.
0: Yeah. And by the way, I got to correct myself. It's still early on the West Coast here a little bit. I had a little bit of a brain burp. Um, There's actually 13 names on here and only one did not practice as of Thursday. I was looking at the Tuesday report. Three did not practice on Tuesday. One, uh, basically one person did not practice the entire week. That is Josh Tupo. So as of Thursday, 12 of 13 players actually were limited or full practice and Josh Tupo was uh, the only one who did not so like you said he's probably going to be out unfortunately a quiet a quietly effective rotational piece on that defensive line so he will be missed it might be mike daniel's time might it be tyler shelvin time i don't know uh, i don't know he he got some play towards the end of the year here i don't i, I think you'd probably go mike daniel's over over shelvin if that uh, if that question arises right
1: if week 18 was any indication about who was ready, it was definitely Daniels. <laughs> Tyler, yeah. Sh- Tyler Shelvin did not play well at all. And that's just not right. even relative to Mike Daniels. That was just looking at Shelvin individually. At this point, like it's on to 2022 for Tyler Shelvin. Just yeah. get in shape, be ready to be more of a consistent contributor because Josh Tupo might not even be on the team. But if they need someone to take those snaps, it's got to be Mike Daniels because he's been keeping his body ready for the entirety of the season on the practice squad, and he's, he's ready for this moment.
0: He, he is, and yeah, I mean, like you said, we've um, we've been watching him on social media doing all these workouts, practice squad all year, tough pill to swallow for a veteran, a guy who made a Pro Bowl in his career and was a, a team leader last year, really answered the bell last week in a game where the Bengals were sitting a lot of guys, so he came up. But anyway, that's uh, the injury report and an early question from Scott Knight in terms of uh, what what the status of T Higgins is. Do you see uh, a question that you want to get to John?
1: Uh, yeah, we had one from Chad Hellier from Facebook and he's asking, do you see the Bengals going with two tight end sets, majority of the snaps to help with the pass rushers. And this isn't something that we really uh, addressed during the, the weekly show, but it's, I think it's an interesting topic regarding how you handle Max Crosby and Yannick and Gogway in pass protection. That was obviously a trouble a problem that that they ran into back in week 11. And you just have to look back a week ago with, with how the, the chargers basically got manhandled by Max Crosby when they left poor storm Norton out there in one-on-one pass protection. But I think helping out with the tight ends is the way to go here. There was an instance where you had a running back chip, uh, Yannick and uh back in week 11, and that was a strip sack from Ngakwe because he was able to get inside lane over Jonah Williams. That's the problem with some of those delayed ships, and that's exactly what Joe Goodberry said that Willie Anderson does not like. I think with how they handled T.J. Watt here, the week after that Raiders game is the way to go because they had Uzama, Andrew Sample kind of stay in next to the line of scrimmage for just a half second before releasing out with their routes, and that not only creates a wider path for the edge rusher to go around before engaging the tackle, but you can also engage with him, chip him, get him off of his rhythm. When I say him, I mean Max Crosby in this sense. There's going to be times when Max Crosby is one-on-one with Isaiah Prince because they want to go empty at at some point. But in some of those obvious situations, yeah, I think they're better off attaching those tight ends at the end of the formations to kind of slow down the rhythm of either Crosby or or Ngakwe instead of those those split-back shotgun looks that you see against the Steelers and Ravens because those are mainly to um, protect against some blitz packages. And the Raiders, they very rarely blitz in their defense this is the big question of the week, right? What are you going to do to negate those
0: two really good edge rushers? You know, and has double digit sacks. Uh, Crosby has eight, but I think he leads the league and pressures in the NFL. So, I mean, just a really, really effective duo. I would encourage some of you guys to, or all of you to go back and listen to my interview with, with Dennis Ackerman, because I asked this question about, you know, should the Bengals think about running Joe Mixon? What, what, what are the options for the Bengals to potentially negate, the Max Crosby effect, the Yannick Ngakwe effect. And Ackerman said, you know, basically you may want to occasionally at least run right at him, uh, run with Mixon right at him. And I know we want to have Burrow be Burrow, especially with the last month of play that he's been absolutely outstanding. Uh, Mixon's had a great track record against the Raiders. So probably a little bit of both. And the other thing, John, that no one's really kind of talking about, are we going to see the tackle eligible, right? Are we going to see the the big jumbo package, extra offensive lineman in there, Uh, on on run plays maybe play action plays as well um, to to kind of throw things off there I don't you know they they were running that earlier when they were going a little more conservative in their offense I don't I don't know that they'll do that again but that might be occasionally part of the offensive plan
1: yeah I think when they run the ball in, in certain obvious situations that's something that they've been doing all year the personnel has just changed because they used to have Isaiah Prince out there but now he's starting some that role is probably going to go to Fred Johnson and or Jackson Mm -hmm. Carmen, who have both done well in those situations but anytime that you're keeping extra blockers in to to pass protect on the edge it does in a sense limit how explosive you can be down the field and that was a problem against the Raiders there were there were times when they were max protecting and they couldn't really get down the field with Higgins and Chase and they have to be more creative with those two guys and having Higgins completely healthy and emerging as this dynamic receiver I think that will also make a difference and also using chase more in the slot against uh the, the raiders cover three where they have a lot yeah. of linebackers that match up in man-to-man coverage i think that can help get the ball out quicker and a- allow joe burrow to not take as many hits this time yeah
0: great point well it wouldn't be a playoff edition of listener questions live without our buddy terrell calling in and we've got him on the line terrell what's going on buddy how are you we're, we're, we're doing good man we're excited maybe a little nervous but we're excited and uh we're we're hoping that That's, the Bengals finally get off the the Schneid here after three decades. How are you? I, I hope so,
2: man. That's what everybody's doing, but I really want to just get uh, let y'all know that I uh, want to shout out them. and said, um, man. Yeah, congratulations on everything. And um, another thing, man, John, man, you got a lot lot of jobs through it. I I appreciate you and. And Anthony, man, I just want to let you know, man, I don't care. We had to deal with Barbara Lewis' best overs and all that stuff. You toughed it out of them long, bad games and, and <laughs> stuff with it.
0: Wow. Yeah. It hard. hasn't always been easy, but I I think we appreciate that.
2: <laughs> but, but we here, though. But, uh, but real quick, though, I really want to say that, man, we got to win this game, though. You already know. Um,. But besides the good and the glamour, I really want to go back to that Week 18 and get a couple of shout-outs to a couple of those players, man, because Clay, uh, Clay Johnson, man, Spence, um, Trayvon Williams, Superman, and, and uh, you know, Captain America, Chris Harris, they all did their thing. And yeah. then it's... They started in there, and they ain't really do nothing. But the real big thing I was going to say to y'all is... Uh, I've been knowing y'all
0: for years, man. Y'all know Colin Hill is back there. You're cutting out a little bit, Terrell. Sorry about that. Uh, AJ Karen well,
2: you
0: know we would have won that game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Going back to 2015, yeah. Um... I'm just saying, we, need, we know we need a quarterback. We
2: know
0: yeah hey you're cutting out a little bit uh we appreciate you calling though and have a good time this weekend hopefully we'll we'll talk yeah we gonna get this
2: game great show yeah
0: all right man we appreciate you thanks terrell um cutting out a little bit there but we caught we caught most of it uh we got the
1: gist we always, got the gist
0: yeah always great hearing from him look very simple statement seemingly very obvious but he, he made a very poignant comment, just, we have to win this game, meaning the Bengals have to win this game. Uh, you know, it, it seems so, like I said, such a s- simplistic statement, but there's actually a lot to it, uh, to me, because this is, to me, I don't want to, I don't want to be over exaggeratory or hyperbolic here or whatever, but I, I, I really feel that winning this game is a turning point for this franchise, because that streak of the five straight when, when that, when this roster was loaded, for, especially from 2013 to 2015 and the Bengals still could not get, they had the home game against the Chargers. They couldn't get, get that one. Um, they had a chance to beat a Steelers team, even with a backup quarterback, they didn't do it. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of, you're, you're, you were talking earlier about this. I've kind of been thinking about how that team, I, I feel like first year, 2011 they didn't expect to make a lot a lot of people expected them to make it they lost they go okay hey we'll be back now next year we're actually pretty good then as they kept losing it almost became i think it came became a large mental block for this team that you just you, you almost oh here we go again we're in prime time we're playing the steelers we're playing the texans we're playing and it's just here you know here we go again here we go again here we go again this team right now has not had that experience this team has a lot of leaders that have played in big games won big games but haven't had the Bengals' misfortunes in primetime games and in and in playoff games and i think not only is it just getting that playoff win after three decades is going to be huge for the trajectory of the franchise but also john just getting getting on that streak. even if they lose the following week um and and you know we're looking to next year or whatever I, i just feel like mentally emotionally winning this game is going to go a long way long term for this team maybe short term too but long term for this team
1: progress is progress if they win one this year it, it it's more than they've done in the past 31 years and i know that we've like 31 years is the length of the drought but they didn't make the playoffs for 15 the first 15 mm-hmm. of those 31 years so this has really been oh for seven in the last decade and a half and like you said that that third playoff game in 2011 it's, it's kind of like how the raiders are this year not a lot of people expected them to be in the situation they're kind of playing with house money if you will and they just kind of got overwhelmed by the texans and I, I think you i think you're onto something like the more that they kept losing back to back to back the more they kind of weighed on them and now you're in a situation where only three players from that 2015 team are on this team right now or maybe maybe a little bit more than that but I, I don't few. know I, I don't know if like this roster feels like there's that amount of pressure because it's just completely new and not only with the roster, but with the coaching staff as well. And I think a lot of it in terms of just feeling more confident or not feeling that, that dread entering this, it, it has to do with the quarterback. And we had a question from Jeremy Log- Logsdon on Facebook. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's asking, this is our year. I feel it in my gut. I believe in Burrow. And honestly, I don't think anyone is going to take this from him and i think at the end of the day like we talk about the importance of having a good quarterback and winning significant games and going deep in in the postseason whatnot and that's what the Bengals have like it's not the expectation to just go one and done okay win a playoff game get this monkey off your back and whatever happens happens no the Bengals have a top five quarterback right now playing with a very solid roster and a coaching staff that that has finally learned how to maximize their talent like the window is right now because burrow is playing at this level right now and it's more than just one playoff game i I don't think they're just thinking about like about it like that the fans certainly are but one playoff game with with this type of quarterback with this type of team it is like the the baseline of expectations and that's what's that's what's meaningful to me it's not just oh we got to win one it's no we're gonna win one and then we're gonna win the next yeah yeah
2: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Uh,
0: we've got another call on the line from our our friend Jason Von Stein in Tennessee. Jason, what's going on, bud?
2: Who day? How about that, guys?
0: Who day? That's right. This
2: might be your best hat. This might be your best hat choice. Like <laughs> uh, it looks kind of like a ransom hat that's going on with John there. That's a little, that's fun. Hey, legitimate question. Should the NFL award best cat mascot for the year? Cuz that's
0: us. <laughs> well, I I'm trying to think. I I'm, I don't I don't know that there's another cat. John, is there another you cat? You got a panther, you
1: got a team? jaguar, you got a lion.
0: Yeah, jaguar, lion, pan, yeah. panther, what? I'm trying to think what else here. Is that you it?
1: You have a jaguar, and you have a okay. lion. Yeah, yeah there's four cat teams i believe they in the nfl
2: meow mix, like, cat of the
0: year. Well, yeah there you go in the I nfl the honors the meow the meow, meow mix sponsored uh <laughs> cat cat of the year well i mean uh, based on those teams you would you would think the Bengals would win that and hey i'm partial to the logo i'm partial to the tiger head logo myself Um, the leaping tiger the b is okay i guess but uh, to me that's down the totem pole in terms of logos but if you're you comparing the logos, for me, the, the Tiger face. But I'm biased. You know me, Jason. What, what else is on your mind, my friend?
2: Uh, I'm just excited to finally be talking about a playoff game with you guys. <laughs> yeah. This is so cool. We're not talking about the draft at all. It's been a long time coming. I think we're actually going to win this one. We don't have to play the Texans. So thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. Yeah. Positive
0: vibes. That's right.
2: That's... I don't really have anything else. Just keep up the good work guys. Hey. I hope next week I'm hearing uh, about how we're going somewhere to win another game. I so.
0: appreciate it, man. Well, yeah, we're, we're going to keep this rolling. If they, if they advance, when they advance, when they advance, we will, uh, we'll be doing more of these and talking with you, but good, good hearing from you, Jason. Um, John, uh, you know, I, the, the, the thing about this matchup and I talked about this with Dennis Ackerman as well. And we, I don't know that we talked about it much. Um, Well, maybe a little bit with Joe, but essentially the, what the, the hand that Las Vegas has been dealt to use a pun that they played the last game of week 18, the night game played almost five quarters of football. Then they travel on a short week across the country you know, three hour time difference there. Um, You know, I mean, there's teams of destiny. Sometimes this thing affects teams, the time change, all that stuff. Sometimes it affects them. Sometimes it doesn't. But I, I have to believe that that plays a factor into this
1: whole thing this weekend. There are many advantages that the Bengals have, and I don't know if a lot of Bengals fans want to admit that to get their hopes up, but it's true, like going from the very last game of the season Finishing at 1 a.m. Eastern time. The implications of that mean that on Tuesday and Wednesday, the Raiders didn't practice. They just had walkthroughs. They didn't want to do any work. They only, I think, practiced on Thursday, and then they, they got they had to get on a flight today to play the first game. Like that that's that's a quick turnaround, however you want to say it. And and not only that, I think Paul Danner Jr. brought this up on the Athletics Podcast. The Bengals taking week 18 off, it was basically their bye week. And I know that you know you don't want to ever like lose coming off of those winning streaks, but it was a lot of rest after emo- an emotional two-week period where they beat the Ravens, and then they beat the Chiefs to win the AFC North. The Raiders were on this four-game stretch where they won all of them in, in very close fashion, and it came down to the very final second to actually clinch that playoff berth amidst everything that happened for them this season. Gruden, Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, among other things as well. It, it seemed like it was all coming to that moment. And at this point now, it's like they, they, didn't, they, they never even got a minute to digress and to like, compartmentalize any of that emotional energy. And now they're in the playoffs now. And now they have to go out and compete against a team that is completely recharged and basically completely healthy from what what their starting lineup was back in week one like they have the same 11 starters on defense and the only difference on offense is they have a new right guard and right tackle but those guys have been playing with the starting lineups for for weeks now the the Bengals have all the advantages here in terms of preparation for this game unfortunately (laughs) and I didn't know this until I, I believe Monday but someone mentioned that the San Diego Chargers back in 2013 also won on overtime on the last week of the season and then played the Bengals, of course in wild card weekend in cincinnati traveling from west coast to east coast and then took care of business there but the difference again the leadership of this team the leadership at quarterback the mindset of this team in general and how all those past demons don't really apply to this now so we've seen it happen we've seen teams in disadvantageous situations like those san diego chargers kind of roll with it and come out on top but there there are no shortages of advantages for the Bengals this weekend
0: so you you were referencing the 2013 Chargers playoff game and that whole scenario correct okay so uh, here's here's something that I want to remind people about as well on that one as compared to this situation a little bit similar but it's a lot of similarities actually Bengals that year in 2013 good team they go to san diego they win win ugly and they come back and they host an afc west team that they played just a little while earlier back at their on their home turf same thing here Bengals really ran away with it but as we talked about on wednesday for three and a half plus quarters this was a really close game right uh the first time around so Here's the deal, though. If you remember, John, there were, I believe it was Melvin Ingram, in that 2013 game, he said that the Bengals did absolutely nothing on offense that was anything different than what they saw a month prior. And so they were prepared for that. And a lot of people were very, very concerned about that in terms of Jay Gruden, in terms of Marvin Lewis and all of that. Uh, based on the fact that they made zero adjustments. Now, this is a team that has shown that this this year that they can make adjustments from quarter to quarter, half to half. And uh, their quarterback has shown that he can make adjustments and they've shown to be really streaky at times. Also, we're not sure if the Bengals are going to do a completely different game plan than the one they ran in Las Vegas two months ago. Right, We're talking, are they going to run mixing again a lot? Because it was effective, but it was methodical, and that game was close. Are they going to do a little bit more of what they've done the past month and really rely on Burrow and wing it around the field, especially since he's been taking really great care of the football for the most part? We tend to think that that's probably going to be more of the case. If that's the case, the latter situation, if that's the case – then that's a completely different game plan than the one two months ago that the Raiders saw from the Bengals. And that is a completely different storyline than the one that emerged from the 2013-2014 playoffs between the Chargers and the Bengals.
1: And that 2013 Chargers team, it became a common opponent for the Cincinnati Bengals and Andy yeah. Dalton at the time. And if, if anyone he remembers, that was the, the terminology that Joe Goodberry coined uh, during the Andy Dalton era. <laughs> And shout out to Tracy McBrady on Twitter, who is a friend of the show and a friend of the Bengals community. He ended up looking up Joe Burrow's common and uncommon opponent stats and splits and whatnot. And to no one's surprise, it's nothing like Andy Dalton. He actually does better against common opponents. And that I mean that that's indicative of what we've seen. Just in it, the AFC North matchups. Like you look at the first times that Burrow played the Ravens and Steelers, and it was ugly games, and there was a lot of un- un-pre- unpreparation, lack of pre- preparedness in those games. And then obviously mm-hmm. he came back this year and swept both of those teams. His yards per attempt is much higher, his adjusted yards per attempt is much higher, his interception percentage is actually a little bit higher as well. But just I think the lack of volume kind of attributes to that. He takes less sacks, he completes more passes uh, on average. His Again, his efficiency is just better because Joe Burrow knows what doesn't work the first time and he rarely makes the same mistakes twice. So now you're looking at a situation where even though the Raiders did have success against Burrow in this offense, he's the type of guy that knows what to do differently the next time. And obviously the offense in general has just improved since then. So it's just Mm -hmm. a, a combination of both of them that should net out to a much more explosive day
0: well uh we're gonna get to a few more again want to remind folks you can call or text 949-542-6241 we've got a couple calls already that's pretty cool uh the ob at gmail.com is the email address we've got a number of live chats be it cincy jungle facebook uh the, the page there our youtube channel the twitter accounts across the board you can leave questions there we've got a live Comment section on sincyjungle.com as well. We've got quite a few viewers. So some of you are either on your lunch break, you're taking the day off, you're getting prepared, maybe you're slacking at work because of this. I don't know. I'm not going to call anybody out on that, but that's okay. We're happy to have you with us live. And of course, after the fact. John, I think it is your turn, but I- I'm gonna steal one if you don't mind. This goes Go back Trevor Trevor Peters on Facebook. Have you guys seen other games where teams have chipped Crosby compared to teams that haven't? Now, admittedly, I have not gone back and watched you know, games of Max Crosby, um, uh, you know, and what and chipped and did not chip, et cetera. However, I did pull this up here and we're kind of going on the fly a little bit with this, but this is from Pro Football Reference. And I think this, at a minimum, gives us a little bit of a, a reference point in terms of games we can look at, or, uh, and this is his, this is his um, performance. Now, one thing that sticks out to me, You've got a lot of streakiness for the eight sacks. He had two in the opener against Baltimore. This is this is what's surprising to me. Two in the opener against Baltimore, good team. Denver, decent team this year, three there. He had one against Denver. He had four, half of his sacks came against Denver. Uh, and then two here um, against the Chargers. Now, here's what's interesting to me. The Chicago's offensive line is a mess, John. He had 52 defensive snaps in that one in week five just blanked across the board in terms of tackles for loss quarterback hits tackles sacks across the board so that would be a game we'd probably need to go look at and see what he did there um there's some some when you look at quarterback hits some minimal uh minimal issues against philly uh minimal impact against the giants so it's kind of like these teams where you go to the bears and the giants um Uh, so I would be interested to go back and look at that Dallas, you know, pretty quiet in that one in terms of, uh, quarterback hits, et cetera. I mean, there's, there's other others though, Denver, he had, what, what is that six total quarterback hits and four sacks in those two games, four quarterback hits and two sacks alone in the overtime game against the chargers to end the season, um, was all over the place against Baltimore as well. But, Uh, you know, those are the games we'd probably need to go back and look at. And, and, uh, you know, I don't have that film readily available, but I think we can kind of say there's some successes by those respective teams here. And also, I wanted to point out that there is a bit of a streaky nature to Max Crosby, although some of that streakiness
1: came at the end of the year. Max Crosby's season is so fascinating to me because if you look at the PFF numbers, He's had four games where he's had at least 11 pressures, including 13 against the Ravens in week one, 13 against the chiefs in week 10. And he had 12 pressures in that game against the Broncos when he had multiple sacks. And then he had 11 to close the season against the chargers. He has a pass rushing grade of 91.8. The guy it's is silly. elite. It's, it's like, yeah. even though like the sacks don't always come all Trey Hendrickson on a week to week, consistent basis. He's still Beats offensive linemen, beats right tackles like mm-hmm. there's no tomorrow. And that that's something that can affect offenses even if he's not ending up at the quarterback. And I think it's interesting his, his pressure to quarterback hit ratio is a little bit low. He's only got 19 hits compared yeah. to 101 pressures. And I think that's just a case of the ball getting out a little bit quicker than uh, when he's beating the tackle. And that happened against the Bengals oftentimes, too. There were plenty of times when... Crosby beat Riley reef into submission and the ball just happened to get out or there was a penalty or something like that. So not all the times do pass rushing wins r- result in hits and sacks, but like the, the, there is no looking at a, trad- a traditional box score and thinking "Oh, you know, Crosby he, he's very hit or miss and you know, he may not be as consistent as some of the other guys. No, he beats guys consistently right. like miles Garrett and TJ Watt and any other elite pass rusher that you can think of.
0: Yeah, I, pressure rates is is the key with him for sure, and 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 overall pressures. We talked about him being, you know, a league leader, I, and obviously this this sheet here from Pro Football Reference doesn't account for pressures. I was I wasn't even really looking so much at the sack numbers, quite honestly. I was more looking at the quarterback hit numbers, et cetera, and I think that's an interesting disparity that you pointed out in terms of quarterback hits to pressures. The pressure rates the big deal because we know pressures are. Basically, almost as effective as a, as a sack because they can force a poor play. They can, you know, force bad decisions, all that kind of stuff. Force a bad throw, um, allow another player to make an impactful play. We know we know all the the variables with that. Obviously, sacks are you know the the true measurable type of things because you know you, you, there's net yards lost, all that kind of stuff. But the but the pressures, you know, that can result in holds. We know all that. Uh, But I wanted to point that out, that there were a couple of games here where there obviously were some quieter performances from Crosby and some really explosive ones, like you mentioned, particularly in the pressure pressure department, which is what the Bengals need to look out for. But good question from Trevor there going forward. What do you got for us, John?
1: So speaking of the offensive line and handling Crosby, we had a question from Perfectionist on the Cincy Jungle Common Thread, and he's asking us if they would have told you the Bengals starting lineup by season's end was Jonah Williams, Jackson Carmen, Trey Hopkins, Keemid Energy, and Isaiah Prince. And that was your only information to go on. What would the Bengals' record be at this point in time? And picking backing off that, how much do you think this union will grow in the next season if left undressed again? So he said Jackson Carmen, but he probably meant Quinn Spain. But he brings up a good point, man. Like this offensive line, it featured... No new additions at, at the at the end, at the end of the season because Riley Reef is hurt. Like the only addition was Riley Reef and Jackson Carmen, and neither one are going to start in this game. And here they are in the playoffs. Like I think that's something worth mentioning in terms of just looking back at what we thought this offensive line needed to be uh, this time last year.
0: I would feel a whole hell of a lot better if Riley Reef was playing in this game, and I don't mean to knock Isaiah Prince. I just that veteran steadiness and just. You know he he wasn't outstanding this year by any means, but he was he really steadied that right tackle position over the his predecessor, who shall uh, remain uh, uh, nameless here. But um, you know, I, I I just I wish I really really wish Reef was playing. But in truth, the Bengals are winning games without him. They have been winning games this last month without him. They've been finding a way because he is not he has not been playing. So, you know, they've been finding ways to, to get creative and, and work around his, his absence. But yeah, I mean, I think if you were to say Jonah Williams, Quentin Spain, Trey Hopkins, Hakeem identity, really the right side of the offensive line at that point, if you were to get that, I wouldn't chalk up a ton of wins to the Bengals at that point, seeing that offensive line, but they've been able to to mask a lot of deficiencies in in, in a lot of different ways. And again, we mentioned this a couple, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, a month ago, whatever. Um, There's still some issues. There are some penalties and all that kind of stuff, particularly from the young guys. But, John, overall, the offensive line is not creating or not having a bunch of those drive killing penalties that we saw under Jim Turner. They're not doing a ton of holds. They're not doing all that. And even some of the holds that we've seen call, I can remember the one against Denver that was supposedly a big play to chase. It was a phantom hold against Quentin Spain. Um, Some of them are kind of ticky tack calls. And so, that is kind of one of the biggest areas of improvement that I don't think a lot of people are talking about is just really those lack of drive killing penalties
1: yeah I remember writing about this in the beginning of the offseason when Frank Pollock was hired and I said okay having Frank Pollock there it'll improve everyone that they currently have but they can't stop there they still need to add new talent so they don't have to rely on just some of these guys developing into their maximum potential but I think these guys developing into their maximum potential has happened this season. And that's why they've been able to survive not having Riley reef out there for a lot of the season and having honestly an inconsistent and injured Riley reef. And he hasn't really been that much better compared to Isaiah Prince in, in some of these games. And that was definitely evident towards the end of the season when that ankle was definitely bothering him and Jackson Carmen not playing at all. The fact that they're getting similar play out of, of, of Hakeem identity, and I know at energy hasn't really been that impressive, but I think these guys are playing about as well as they can. And that is hundred percent attributed to Paula coming in and, and teaching new technique and getting on these guys and getting the most out of them. And it's not that much. And to answer the question, I, I wouldn't say more than seven or eight wins. And that was right around where my preseason prediction was with this team in general, because at the end of the day, they didn't do that much to improve the offensive line and any of their additions and improvement. Again, it's not going to be on the field on sunday. so they they've gotten the most that they possibly could out of this group and somehow the the offense has managed to stay explosive and effective uh with them and i think that's because like you said there's not a lot of drive killing. <clears throat> excuse me. not a lot of drive killing penalties that we've seen. i think that's a testament to Pollock's teachings. Yeah. Uh
0: real quick, happy birthday Kyle Gentry on facebook says today's my birthday my only wish is for a dub tomorrow. So happy birthday Kyle, hopefully they Grant your wish, my friend.
1: Happy birthday, what else Kyle. are we
0: seeing here? What's that? That's a happy birthday, Kyle. Oh, yeah. Uh, what else are we seeing here, John?
1: We had another question from the comments section on Cincy Jungle from Hude Richie. He's asking, okay. what do you like better controlling the clock with? Mixon or Burrow doing LSU things in empty shotgun sets?
0: So is Burrow doing... Uh, I mean, if you're talking controlling the clock, Burrow doing LSU things uh, out of empty sets—that's you know sometimes that's a lot of the big explosive plays. So that's not really controlling the clock a lot of times, um, unless you're talking kind of the the just death by thousand paper cuts, a lot of different yeah. throws and stuff. Yeah. That's what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, I, I'm a, I I love both. I love either. And I would love to get see Joe Burrow get his national run and just say, wow, how effective. But something about just pounding your opponent into submission with the run game. I know it's old school. I know it's passe, but um, this, is, this is what you paid Joe Mixon for, a, a contract that not a lot of people um, liked at the time. And he has responded with a career year this year. But uh, if, if I had my choice, being able to control the game that way and really just kind of... I, I think at that point you kind of break the will a little bit of of the Raiders, but uh, quite honestly, if I it, give me a little bit of both, give me a little bit of both. But uh, I, I think I would slightly, slightly prefer the mix in the mix in domination. If that's, if that's how this is going to play out.
1: Yeah, and I, I think the base of this offense is still going out into empty and spreading out with 11 personnel and utilizing a lot of those concepts that they've tried earlier in the year and it didn't really work out because they couldn't rely on their protection. But I think there's more faith in Burrow extending plays and getting the ball out quicker and having more trust in his knee and itself to execute those concepts. And I think that's what we're going to see early in the game. I think they're still going to try to spread out the Ravens defense wide. And like Joe said, they're going to – uh ride joe's uh joe burrow's arm until it falls off that was his quote Mm um but against this raiders defense i think tyler boyd had a really good game against the raiders that's because their their defense doesn't really change they have a lot of linebackers and safeties lined up in the slot, and that's where Boyd got a lot of his production i think you could see that with boyd and chase this time because again i think chase is going to play more in the slot and i think that bodes well for a lot of their quick passing concepts Uh, me and jake Lusco were talking about this Yesterday, they they love slant flats against these types of of coverages where you just have a slant from the outside receiver and either the slot runs a drag route to to the outside or you have a tight end out there. And that really, it can can slice up and dice up a defense that likes to play off coverage and doesn't like to be too aggressive. They're not going to have a lot of chances where they're going to have hot reads against the blitz because the Raiders don't really blitz that much. But I think that's going to be the game plan early on to set up some of the the more explosive plays down the field. And they're going to try to attack the seams more because that's what you have to do Against a single high defense, and then in the second half, assuming they have game control at this point, that's Joe Mixon's time. I, I feel yeah. like they don't really yeah. have to press down on on the throat like they did against the Ravens and the Chiefs because the margin of error is so much higher in the playoffs. But if they're at that point where they have a score two score lead, and they have the Raiders' defense backing up a little bit, I think then you have Joe Mixon being really hard to tackle in the third and fourth quarter against a defense that doesn't normally play in the cold and the defense that's honestly pretty inconsistent with their defensive line against the run. So I think that is how you can control the clock against this defense.
0: That's a, that's a fantastic point. Yeah. And that plays right into my preference of a little bit of both. Give me a little bit of both. Alex, our uh, uh, Ar- I-, I think I'm saying that right. Who from Italy? My Italian, uh, my Italian buddy there um, tomorrow. the there we go. With Cincinnati Bengals. Italia is with Burrow and company. Come on. Now, look, there is a question in here. I'm sure tomorrow the dual Prince versus Crosby could be the key of the match. What do you think? Of course, using the term "match" that is very a European, uh, European phrase. There. Look, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tweak that question a little bit, Alex, because we've talked so much about Prince and Crosby. Who else do you do you see in terms of maybe an individual matchup or just kind of a positional matchup, John? Who else do you think is just so key in this one this week?
1: So much attention is with Max Crosby that no one really talks about Yannick and Gakwe. And he's right next to Max Crosby and Pressures, and again he had success against Jonah Williams. And Jonah Williams, I remember I, I went back to our podcast after the Raiders game, and that was when we had Tim McGee on for forty glorious minutes and gave us another yeah. masterclass guest appearance. And he kind of, kind of took Jonah Williams to to the, and I'm the yeah. idiom off the top of my head, but he was not uh, holding back on some criticism for Williams, and he was coming off a not so good game against Yannick a lot of attention was was with Isaiah Prince handling Max Crosby but we know that Prince is going to get some help here it might be Jonah Williams on an island more often against Yannick and obviously I think they can count on Williams to handle for the most part but Yannick is no slouch when it comes to rushing the passer and that's something that it's Joe Burrow's blindside it's something that they have to account for
0: yeah he was um less than complimentary about Jonah Williams was Tim McGee when we had him on the show look uh I, I'm of course that's another one I'm looking at. Of course, Prince versus Crosby. Um, I, I'm really interested. I mean, yeah, there's some defensive line matchups that I like as well in this one for the Bengals. But I'm I'm going to go in the interior of the offensive line because I'm really curious to see how this struggling uh, Quentin Spain's been pretty good this year. Um, Trey Hopkins started off really, really not great. Uh, has improved a little bit. Um, and then the right guards just been, you know, a turnstile of different players in and out of that lineup. So with those three players, you've got this week, Darius Phylon out for the year, knee injury, interior defensive lineman. You look at the Raiders injury report again. We didn't really look at, we didn't, uh, share this, but, but Jonathan Hankins back and knee issue defensive tackle questionable did not practice Tuesday and Wednesday limited practice Thursday. You go down the pecking order. Quentin Jefferson, another defensive uh, defensive lineman, foot issue, limited practice Thursday. Probably going to play, but there is a foot issue there. And Kendall Vickers, another interior defensive lineman, a back issue. Same deal with Quentin Jefferson. So those two look to play. Don't know about Hankins, and of course Darius Philon, who had played well, is out for this one as I mentioned earlier. So those are matchups. In, respectively across the board there that I'm going to be looking at because that interior of the defensive line might be a little vulnerable to some you know to, to allow this interior of the offensive line for the Bengals to actually have a decent game
1: and I think the conversation with uh, running the ball against the Raiders defense and the fact that Phylon is not there like we, we talk a lot about the the defensive line when it comes to defending the run but it's, it's more than that with the Raiders just in the last month they've been really good at stopping the run but it hasn't really been their defensive line getting a lot of the production it's the linebackers it's the cornerbacks and it's the safeties they are really aggressive coming down the hill to stop the run and Denzel Perryman specifically I think he's second in the league in run stop percentage and he had a couple moments against the Bengals where either Trey Hopkins or identity couldn't get out into the second level in time to cut him off and that ended up being part of the reason why Joe Mixon took a long time to to get going. So yeah, they're, they're weak at defensive line, but I think they're still pretty healthy at the other levels of their defense and they love to get downhill. Yeah.
0: Uh, We'll be here a couple more minutes and then we are going to bounce out of here. John, you seeing any others that you would like to get to before we start uh, closing up shop here.
1: We had a question from diehard Barton. He's asking, is there a path that we may see the Steelers in the AFC championship game? If so, could this be a rehash of Ray Lewis when he, Oh, (laughs) when he retired on the way out the door, Honestly, I I want to pose this to anyone else in the live chat. If, say the Bengals win on Saturday. You have the Bills and the Patriots playing the the, the right after that game. And I think yep. if the Patriots win, then the Bengals potentially get a home game against the Patriots. I think only if the Steelers beat the Chiefs. Do Bengals fans want the Steelers to beat the Chiefs just so they don't have to go into Arrowhead in, the, in that situation or just the for the fact of just getting a team that the Bengals could lose to out of the playoffs or is rooting for the Steelers in that situation just too unbearable to even contemplate
0: is so if the Patriots beat the Bills do the is it I think the next one then the Bengals would it would then go to is it would they go to Tennessee or would they then host the Patriots
1: the following week? I'm trying to think here. Titans are one. Bengals are four. Right. Patriots are six. Steelers are seven. So the Bengals would play the Patriots, and then the Steelers would play the Titans. I want to say
0: if the Steelers won, yeah. And yes. I think a lot of people are saying, you know, they're accounting. I, I think if obviously the Steelers do not win and the Bengals do win, then I think the Bengals then go to Tennessee. I think that's the that's the route that would that would probably yes. occur then. So, um yeah, that is that's just a. a conundrum wrapped inside a conundrum and if you really want this to be a special season and you get you the Bengals get to the super bowl um beating the pittsburgh steelers in the afc championship game at paul brown stadium would be that it'd be hard pressed to find a more special season than that despite what would have happened in the super bowl at that point i mean that's uh that is a a hell of a road to a super bowl for sure
1: and and I think someone's uh, Jeremy said Jeremy Logsdon said I don't think the, or I think we have the Steelers number so I'm not worried about it and honestly I think it would do us a favor that's true I feel like the Bengals don't really have anything to fear with the Steelers even though the history of the rivalry still exists I'm just saying I don't know if the Bengals have beaten the Steelers three times in a single season in the history of their existence and I think just beating a team three times any team regardless of how good or bad they are sure. i think that's difficult to do so that's just something to think about mhm
0: mhm definitely echo those sentiments um let's see any others that you are seeing here john before we get on out of here um doing it one oh. last
1: scan here go keith ahead keith lakes is asking how much do you think the weather will matter i think you know? Was that earlier? Yeah, it was from a few minutes ago. Okay. Um, for anyone who listens to Pat McAfee on on his show, he loves to make a case about how the Bengals don't have a practice, practice mm-hmm. facility. And I understand why he makes that case, because he's doing it to promote that issue so that there's public pressure for the Bengals to eventually get one. It, it's, it's his way, I think, of trying to get that message out there so that the players themselves don't have to really make those complaints I think Willie Anderson also said this that like no free agent has ever not chosen Cincinnati because of a lack of practice practice facility but looking back retired players can say like yeah they should probably have something like that in this scenario in this week I think Zach Taylor handled it perfectly and really explained the reasoning behind having a practice facility in the first place if it had rained or snowed in Cincinnati Zach Taylor would have popped on a bus and practice inside of UC's bubble because the importance of having an in- indoor facility is not to practice out of the cold. It's to practice out of conditions where you can't have a clean practice. There was no weather in Cincinnati this week that prevented them from getting the work done. It was just cold and they have to be ready for the cold when they play in an, in 20 degree weather on Saturday. But if it was snowing and raining and terrible conditions where they can't have a clean practice, that would be when you would, would need to practice uh, facility. So I think the weather will matter because the Bengals have been practicing it for all week now and the Raiders are coming from a, a desert when they play indoors and they're playing in 20 degree weather where Derek Carr has never really played well at all so yeah I think they handled it really well this week and I think it will matter I do I think it'll matter
0: as well and I think it does favor the Bengals just because it's home turf they're a little more used to that they played in um, I think it was pretty cold in that Kansas City game right Um, so yep. you know yeah so I mean I, I they're used to it and you can talk about The inexperience, this isn't really so much weather related what I'm going to say here, but you can talk about a lot of folks are saying, you know, Burrow hasn't been to the playoffs before. And a lot of these Bengal players are so young. They've never been to the playoffs before. Are they just not experienced enough? Well, look on the Raiders sideline. Derek Carr, this this is the first playoff game he's playing in. They made it to the playoffs a few years ago, and he didn't get to play because he was injured. Um, There are a lot of, what's that?
1: Connor Cook playing in that game. Yeah,
0: yeah uh god that's a blast from the past name um so i mean we can talk about the experience factor or lack thereof and some people are saying you know that might be a knock on the Bengals, despite them having a home game and despite the weather maybe playing in their favor etc etc but there's not a lot of postseason experience on the other side of the field i mean i'd have to go look at the roster from top to bottom but some of their important players you're talking about an interim coach um So I mean, there's there's not a lot of experience on the other side of the sideline either. If you're using that against the Bengals as ammunition in this one,
1: yeah, it's true. And again, it's just another advantage that the Raiders that excuse me, the Bengals have in this one. Um, Real quick, uh, just before we get out of here, we have some breaking news, I guess, from from the wire. Jamar Chase is officially a second team All Pro receiver. He was the only one to get any all pros for the Bengals roster. I think he was behind both Justin Jefferson and Debo Samuel, surprisingly, got in on the first-team Pro Bowl. So I think a lot of people expected Justin Jefferson to get that, but Jefferson and Chase are both second-team All-Pros as they're the only other receivers to get All-Pro votes. And officially, the Bengals have elevated Mike Daniels and Trent Taylor from the practice squad to play in Saturday's game. As we speculated, Daniels will take... Josh Tupo's spot and Trent Taylor's been elevated in the past month and a half to be the team's kick and pump returner.
0: I hope to hell that Mike Daniels has a game. I know I know he and it you. may be a uh, he is one of our favorite guys. Um and if he if the Bengals well win win or lose, if the Bengals if he plays well, if they win or whatever, I would we gotta get him back on the show because I would love to talk to him about that. And you know he is I mean, you know, you feel bad for Josh Tupo for sure, but you know that this is just something that is really, really special to him based on how this year has played out based on how his career has gone. This may be, he, I mean, he said it's, you know, obviously he and his wife took to Twitter and said, you know, there's plenty more in the tank beyond this year. Um, and really since he hasn't played his, his body and he's been keeping his body in great shape, you know, it's possible that he plays beyond this year, but if the Bengals go on a deep run here, um, that would be just be really, really awesome for a guy like Mike Daniels. Um, and, and I, we, I know we've got a soft spot for him, John, but uh, I'd be, I'd be very excited for him uh, and a number of different levels. If, if he played well, if the Bengals advanced all of that.
1: Yeah. That'll, that'll be quite the story to, to just recall this entire season of, of getting cut and then just going yeah. on the practice squad and just staying ready. Like I think his perspective on, this entire journey leading up to this weekend will be fantastic. And, and you know, he's going to be really candid in, in his uh, storytelling.
0: Well, we're going to get out of here, but before we do a very, very, thank you for that breaking, breaking news, by the way, John, a very, very important question asked by Alex to John, how many shots are you doing at Holy Grail tonight at the, I think it's the locked on meetup. Right. Um, And uh, how, 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 how much fun are you having tonight? I guess is the, the polite way of saying that.
1: Yeah. Shout out Alex. Me, me and him met for the first time uh, before week four at the the blind pig. When we were That's out nice. there um, with the first meetup with everyone in Cincinnati. So hopefully I'll see you tonight, Alex. And I don't think I'm having too many shots because I got to drive tonight, but tomorrow, if things go well, shots will be flowing for sure. There you
0: go. There you go. <laughs> uh, have a good time. Tell James hello for me as well. Uh, I You know, I don't, I don't, think Jake's there but if he is there um say hello to him too uh that'll be that'll be fun and you know next time I I make it out there John we'll have to do a little arrange a little meetup of some kind unfortunately in week one when I was out there just was very limited on time and whatnot so couldn't plan that but um we'll have to we'll have to do so we've been talking about that for a long long time about doing a a meetup thing too and just unfortunately hasn't happened but we'll have to do something like that that'd be fun
1: I'm sure we can rally the the OBI troops
0: there. I'm sure yeah. we can well, I, we don't have merch though, so we'd have to, you know, with all these guys have this cool merch and we're I don't know what we're <laughs> we'll have to get our hands on some Cincy Jungle stuff or something or hey, harness some graphic design skills, John. I don't I don't have any of those, so I don't I don't know what to what to do. <laughs> I'll have to hit up Ace's guy, or unless yeah, you, you Ace go. is doing it himself. Yeah yeah there you go well cool we're gonna get out of here thanks everybody for the questions we've been going at it for for about an hour a lot of uh, a lot of good questions calls chats all kinds of different stuff we tried to get to as many as possible uh any final thoughts before we bounce out of here john i hope you have a great time tonight at the meetup and of course i hope the Bengals take care of business for you tomorrow as you will be there in person
1: yeah um everyone who's going out tonight and obviously tomorrow stay safe um, Omicron still exists. Um real quick, you notice Randall's got a new shirt. This was Oh yeah, what by, is that? My my Steelers fan of a mom. Um oh, a it's big Star, Wars. Star Wars fan. Yeah. yeah. And it says on the bottom, Win We Will. So I that's Yoda it. making the prediction, not me. You already know my prediction. I, I didn't jinx anything. But um yeah, shout out to mom.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I've got a I've got a Bangle Star Wars one. Not that one. I've got the I think it's the Rebel, the Rebel ones. Um so it's a that's actually a really cool uh little design that they uh, in collaboration that they did with star wars this year they have some really cool Mm -hmm. really cool shirts that's a good one i don't think i've seen the yoda one that's cool i've seen the darth vader one and i've seen the the other one that i have but that one's that one's pretty good it's got the tiger head looks like next to yoda there too right uh
1: yeah it's got it's got the elite logo you know yeah
0: the elite logo i like it hey let's have some fun this weekend we're going to be bringing you all kinds of different content not only on this show but on cincyjungle.com all your news opinions analysis etc keep it there keep it to the cincy jungle podcast channel keep it to our channel and of course you can get this show by subscribing there's a little icon at the bottom corner under john and under that sb nation logo there for our youtube channel you can click that to subscribe click the bell to be notified when we go live when new content is available if you like what we're doing hit the thumbs up and uh, that helps us out appreciate it and appreciate all of the interaction. On the YouTube channel, and of course, this show, along with Matt Mannix Chalk Talk, "Orange Is the New Black" from Ace and Zim, all of that is part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel, where you can subscribe on your favorite podcast streamer: iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any of the major ones. We're there. Subscribe, leave a review. That helps us out. John, have a have a fun weekend, man. I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping I it, I was like eight the last time that the Bengals won a playoff game. It is way overdue i'm 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 very ready for a win this weekend
1: in, in burrow they trust man in, in burrow they trust
0: in burrow they trust that's right have a good time this weekend dude i want to see pictures and, and videos like i said uh we'll, we'll maybe share some on the air if they're if they're clean enough uh <laughs> we'll, we'll share them but have a good time might this be a weekend.
1: mix yeah <laughs> thanks man i'll talk to you next week all right take it easy